I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Angry Angry Neighborhood Neighborhood Feminist. Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspectives. And we are, as always, exhausted. You know, I really, I was like, (laughs) I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to say it this time. I had to start right with it because literally, without a doubt, every mini episode, we're going to start out with being fucking exhausted because life is exhausting there's a war going on mask mandates are being lifted there's still a pandemic going on everything is fucking nuts the world is crashing around us how are you and we're still expected to continue with the same amount of productivity i think that that's an issue like i posted something into my stories yesterday about that where it's just like I think we're beyond the stage of like, how's everybody doing with the stress? How's everybody doing? It's like we're all doing bad. That's not, how we're doing. Not well. And like no one really like they all ask you how you're doing, but they don't actually want to address anything that could make it any easier. Like I'm yeah. talking like at your job and stuff like that. They're like mental health check in. Everybody doing OK? Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? I would do better if I didn't have to be required to have the same level of productivity output as I would in normal times. I would also be doing a hell of a lot better if you'd be paying more for my time while I'm doing all this. That'd be great. Thanks. LOL. No, that's so cute. That's not not what we meant. No, Um, my boss actually showed me this thing that was really funny. She's from Northern California, but she lived in the Midwest for eight years. So she like loves Midwestern humor and stuff. And she follows this meme page and it was like, um, how to know a Minnesotan isn't doing okay. When you ask how they're doing, they said, oh, I've had better days or, oh, oh, no, oh, I'm just trucking along or something like that because we'll never actually say that we're doing bad. We'll just be like, 
oh, you know, we're just getting through the day. <laughs> yeah. That's how you know a Midwesterner is about to like, you need to check on that person. Yeah, yeah and they're see not, if they're okay. They're not well. They're not well. And For honestly, sure. like a customer asked me today, like, how are you doing? And I was like, oh, you know, just getting through the day. Or I said something like that. And I was like, wow, I actually just did that because right. I'm screaming internally. <laughs> we've, we've really gotten to the point now where I just am like, you know, Oh, you know, oh, it's you usually know. my response when people are like, how you doing? You're just like, oh, you know. And then they're like, I do know. Yeah, exactly. I do know. Yeah. You know, at least we're not alone. You we're know, alone. Actually, I think that we collectively as a society should come up with something else to say to people except for like, how are you doing? Like, we all know that we're not doing well. Like, no one's doing well. <laughs> just start giving. I just give people compliments. Be nice to people. Don't give people a hard time. Be nice to your wait staff. Be nice to people working everywhere. We're doing our fucking hardest. Like, right. Especially now, you know, like you said, the the mask mandates are being lifted. Yeah. Like, it's just a time of change. It's a time of change. It's a time time of pure upheaval um and i think we should get into more of the crazy stuff that was happening within the past week i am sure both of us want to talk about the war on ukraine first sure i have something very specific to talk about so let's talk about your very specific thing then and then we'll go from there all right so i want to talk specifically about black students and foreign students in ukraine right now so We, I'm sure everyone has been bombarded with news. I feel like anything that comes up on my Apple News like alerts is all related to what's going on in Ukraine, which it makes sense. I mean, of course, It's, uh, it's the biggest thing happening in the world right now. Right. And about a million people as of this morning, I got a New York Times alert to my email about a million people have now fled Ukraine. And among those people are, of course, students in Ukraine, specifically African students, and they feel like they are being discriminated against while trying to leave the country. So video footage has circulated on the internet this past weekend, and it appears to show Africans being blocked from trying to leave Ukraine's borders in the midst of the military conflict. So the images obviously sparked condemnation on both sides sides of the aisle, and it made the hashtag Africans in Ukraine go viral. So as the Russian invasion of Ukraine continues, foreign students are attempting to leave the country and they say they are experiencing racist treatment by Ukrainian security forces and border officials. Mm. There was one African medical student who told CNN that she and other foreigners were ordered off the public transit bus at a checkpoint between Ukraine and Poland. They were told to stand aside as the bus drove off with only Ukrainian officials on board. And you can Mm. see in these videos, they say to them, basically, we have to take real Ukrainians first. Oh. And so these people are being left in like very cold conditions with no provisions. And very dangerous conditions, too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Being told to walk, basically, to the next checkpoint. Right. Sometimes far distances. So... Are they assuming because they're black that they are not born Ukrainians or are these all people who have come from other countries to Ukraine? Because to me, that seems like it would be difficult. Like if you're just talking about a general population of people or if there's like checkpoints because they're 
born in another country you know like is there any details on that there's not so most of the people who have been interviewed are students they are there's a huge population So like they were coming from elsewhere to come to right. to ukraine to study yeah specifically there's a huge population of nigerian students right. okay in ukraine uh who went there specifically because it was a you know more affordable option yeah. place for them to go to medical school uh in europe and so they chose to go to the Ukraine. Okay, so a lot of Ukraine. so a lot of these people are like international students yes. and things like that. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. I was just curious about the details there. I mean, either way, it fucking sucks. I was just and is right. absolutely disgusting and horrible because anybody who is within your country, even if they are visitors, should be treated with the same respect that you would treat anybody right. else I mean, because in a potential life or death situation. That's what I was going to say. Everybody is in the same level of danger here. Mm-hmm. Exactly. No matter where you come from. Right. So everybody needs to be protected. Yes. Agreed. Uh, so there was one Nigerian first year medical student who was interviewed and she said she was left stranded at the border with, um, it was like 400 miles outside of Kiev. And she told a CNN reporter, more than 10 buses came and we were watching everyone leave. We thought after they took all the Ukrainians, they would take us. But they told us that we were to walk, that there were no more buses and they told us to walk. How far do they have to walk? Um, I'm not sure. There was another story where they had to walk four or five kilometers, which I don't know what, how much that is in relation to a kilometers mile. Kilometers means nothing to me, but it's still longer than I think one would want to walk with probably your belongings. Well, and, yeah, you know. let's, let's find out. So one kilometer is about one and a half miles. So okay, so it's like almost double-ish that. Let's say they walked like almost seven miles-ish. Yeah. yeah. That's, I mean, that's not okay. You're carrying all these things. You're scared. You're literally running for your life. And now you're like, no, just kidding. Right. And Walk. <laughs> and they're not given any, like a lot of them, they don't have blankets they don't have jackets that are meant to withstand that you know because they left rather quickly especially yeah and it's still cold there right so this woman goes on to say my body was numb from the cold and we haven't slept in about four days now ukrainians have been prioritized over africans men and women at every point and children there's no need for us to ask why we know why i just want to get home yeah and people of indian descent are sharing similar experiences quote they allow 30 indians after only after 500 ukrainians get in to get to this border you need to walk four to five kilometers from the first checkpoint to the second one ukrainians are given taxis and buses for travel all other nationalities have to walk they were very racist to indians and other nationalities and this is a 22 year old from mumbai Uh, who said this to CNN. So uh, there's been a lot of talk about who's to blame for this. Well, there's no doubt at all that racism, racism, systemic racism in everybody. (laughs) Absolutely. Racism and xenophobia play a huge role in what's happening to Afro, Afro Caribbean and Indian students in um, and residents in Ukraine. Many have also criticized the reaction and inaction of their home countries yeah. saying that they haven't offered assistance or made any arrangements to help them return safely. Mm. So Nigeria in particular has faced criticism. That same student that I mentioned earlier, who's yeah. from Nigeria uh, said that the Nigerian government is being their usual nonchalant self in basically kind of all shoulders or they were until all these videos and everything came out. Yeah. And According to the BBC News, there are about 4,000 students from Nigeria in Ukraine. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, Um, that's a huge 
like national problem for their country as well. I mean, they're uh, hopefully, I don't know if there's like an embassy program or anything like that where you can go and be like, look, we need some fucking help. Right. Well, Nigeria's foreign affairs minister responded to the criticism saying that Ukrainian authorities had assured them previously that there were no restrictions on foreigners wanting to leave Ukraine. So they were like, we didn't think that it was going to be an issue, I guess. Right. Uh, and African nations on the UN Security Council on Monday condemned discrimination against African citizens at the Ukrainian border. And they said, or rather Kenyan ambassador Martin Kimani said, we strongly condemn this racism and believe that it is damaging to the spirit of solidarity that is so urgently needed today. The mistreatment of African peoples on Europe's borders needs to cease immediately. And U.S. Rep. Ilhan Omar, who had immigrated to the United States from a war-torn country from Somalia, Uh she tweeted, quote, bombs don't check your nationality and border security shouldn't either. Everyone fleeing Ukraine is in desperate need of shelter. I hope neighboring countries who are opening their borders to Ukrainians wouldn't discriminate against Africans and Asians. Let's lead with grace. And I think that that's really what it comes down to is that I understand we're in a very scary situation. I understand maybe even their very like elementary logic in terms of wanting to prioritize their own citizens. Right. I understand that. However, everyone is in danger in Mm -hmm. this situation. Yeah. So. Oh, gosh. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores. And it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free, and when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Are you thinking about getting into Dungeons & Dragons? Maybe you're looking to expand your horizons as a DM or a player. If that's the case, then it's time for you to check out The Dungeon Cast, the best D&D podcast out there that helps you passively learn all about the game just by listening. Find The Dungeon Cast anywhere you get podcasts or on YouTube. Um, I mean, what I wanted to discuss was just kind of a, a broader kind of like what's going on also in Russia right now between their citizens, because there is a giant divide between Russian citizens, between the upper class that are in the pocket of the Kremlin and the lower to middle class that is very much against what's going on in Ukraine right now. Um, So there's a lot of, I won't go into detail with all of that, but there is a lot of infighting right now amongst the citizens of Russia between those who are for the war and those who are against the Mm -hmm. war. Um, I've been seeing a lot on the internet and on Reddit, especially of Russian soldiers who seemed unaware of yeah. what they were doing yeah. in Ukraine. I heard a lot about that too. Not wanting to participate and all that kind of stuff and being, you know, they were told that there were Nazis in Ukraine yeah. that needed to be taken care of. And once they realized that there wasn't, they felt duped, you know, like what, what are we even here for? And I can totally 
understand that because I think that there's so there was so much of that during the war on terror. I feel mm-hmm. like where a lot yeah. of the the soldiers that would go there would just be like, what am I doing? Am I really helping? Am I really doing anything? And it makes me happy to hear that not everybody is just blindly following their dictator and people are thinking and seeing with humanity what's going on in this country and aren't, aren't here for it. Um, I also wanted to talk a little bit about some of the sanctions that are going on. Russia has now been shut out of sports like hockey, chess, which apparently is a sport. No offense. <laughs> uh, did you not see Queen's Gambit? I did not. I didn't either, actually. I watched the first like couple episodes, though. I watched the first half of the first episode, and I just wasn't feeling it. I don't know why. I just I, I couldn't get into it. Um, football, motor racing, and by art galleries, Harley Davidson, Disney, and the Eurovision Song Contest, luxury car companies. Uh, well, the, even Switzerland broke its neutrality uh, yeah. to be like, nah. No, nah. no, no. Yeah. They also um, are shut out of Norway's sovereign wealth fund and many more have partaken as well. Many other countries are partaking in all of these sanctions as well, which is starting to halt the Russian economy. The ruble is losing a lot of its value uh, compared to the American dollar and all of these kinds of things that really look horrible for Russia. But Putin has been preparing for this moment for, I guess, like eight years. He built up a war chest of about $63 billion in international reserves, including currencies and gold. But at least some of this has been frozen as the economy is under assault. The U.S. has also banned U.S. dollar transactions with Russian Central Bank in a move to prevent access to this, quote, rainy day fund. European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen has said that they would also be banning transactions with Russia. So they're hoping that if enough banks shut down, Putin won't be able to access that $63 billion that's going to help maintain Russia's economy and things like that. Capital Economics is now estimating that at least 50% of Russia's reserves are now off limits to Moscow, which is huge. Like, mm-hmm. ter- terrible, but I mean, for like the people who just want to survive, but like good right. to yeah, be able to like I mean, beat them out, you know? It's it's really tough because this sucks for everyone. Like, yeah. it's, it's so terrible for every innocent every, civilian. Everyone at war is losing. You know what I mean? Is having a hard time right now. Right. Yeah. All because Putin wants, Putin wants to, like, wave his power around. Like, that's kind of the thing, is innocent Russians, innocent Russian civilians are going to feel the impact of this on yeah, their and lives. Yeah, like, that's kind of what I meant by that. I don't yeah. mean the people that are like doing the bad stuff. No, but totally. Like, the, the yeah. n- normal people living in Moscow who are trying to live their lives. You don't get to make the decision lives. if your country goes to war or not. And yeah. we've seen that a lot of people in Russia very much oppose this war. You know, yeah. they're protesting and it's very, very dangerous for them I to was be gonna doing say, so. To be protesting in Russia is incredibly dangerous, but also it's it's just incredibly courageous to see yeah. and very, very scary. Um, president Zelensky's aide, Andrei Yermak, wrote an op-ed while in a bunker with the president of Ukraine, pleading with the world, particularly the West, for help. He says, for a week, Russian bombs have fallen overhead. Despite the constant barrage of Russian fire, we stand firm and united in our resolve to defeat the invaders. Every day brings the possibility that our words may be our final ones. So let them be a plea for support to free Ukraine. 
He called upon the West to send more military supplies and equipment and impose even harsher sanctions on Russia to keep them from continuing to attack. He says, we're thankful to our American and European friends, to democracies worldwide, including Australia and Japan, for their quick decisions to help us, for their sanctions against the Russian economy, for the armaments and equipment to deter the aggressor. But it's not enough. We need more. And please stop telling us military aid is on the way. Nothing less than our freedom and yours is at stake. Yeah, I mean, it's it has been very interesting, though. And I know that a lot of people or maybe not a lot of people, but some people are reporting about the way that this war is being reported. And it is interesting. I mean, you have people, you've got newscasters on major media outlets like CNN, of course, Fox News, um, saying things like, well, everyone's so appalled because like this isn't like the conflicts we've seen before. These are Christians. These are literally there was one who said these are blonde like, hair, blue eyed. Oh, Europeans. these are like developed people. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's that's so disgusting. Don't it, do that. It really is. Like, it really is. It's, we, why are we why are we lifting one country above the other like that? Because that's so the U.S. Disgusting. is complacent in like in other <sighs> conflicts. That's why, yeah, you know, and it's just it's that's gross. And we like value that. some lives over uh, over other lives. And I'm not here all saying that we shouldn't be like helping the Ukraine in every way that we can yeah like, we should be no we should be and and honestly like they're they're pretty pissed off because the U.S. Um, has already decided to kind of go against one of the things that the president of Ukraine is really wanting which is to impose a no-fly zone over Ukraine and it's a move that the Biden and that the Biden administration has already ruled out, which I didn't read why and I couldn't find out why I didn't have enough time to do all that research. But I, I'm curious as to why. I think that, oh, wait, here. So Yermak believes that though this would be a serious escalation that could bring NATO into conflict with Russia. So I think that he's saying that like if there's a no fly zone over Ukraine, that it would then have like NATO be involved somehow or it would make the tensions escalate somehow. I'm not quite sure. The, the, the tensions feel pretty escalated. That's what I'm that's what I'm saying. So I don't know why a no fly zone would make things more difficult, but I'm just not understanding. But he does say we firmly believe that Russia won't stop at just Ukraine, which will potentially drag NATO into this conflict anyway. So they're kind of saying like NATO is probably going to have to get involved one way or another. So can you please just do it? We need your fucking help. Yeah. And I don't know enough about NATO and everything to give you an educated answer to all of this. But like, why the fuck not? Help the people. Like, isn't that what I said this last week? Like, aren't we supposed to be like the superheroes that come but in and save not. the day? We're not. But are, but don't we like people to see us that way? Sure. You know what I mean? Like, it's not about what we actually do. I feel like America just likes to pound on its chest and be like, look at us coming in and doing the great thing, even if they're not really doing a great. Yeah. Thing. I mean, I think I think that the concern is russia's nuclear power i think that that is, that is the concern here and i don't know i mean i'm not obviously like i'm not an analyst in any way yeah i can't really speak to this in an educated way but maybe putin won't venture out into other nato nations because he knows that that will bring down the weight of nato on him yeah so maybe he will limit it i don't know yeah i don't know i i, I feel like there's already been sightings of troops like heading toward other borders of ukraine if i remember hearing correctly so i feel like there are other countries mm -hmm. that could be involved i don't know if they're nato countries or not but yeah yeah i mean that's the that's the scariest thing about this because right now 
not all of us are like as involved as we could be because we're kind of not wanting to fully get involved. But are we going to have to eventually? And what does that mean? I don't know. I don't know. Why don't you know? Tell me. I don't know. <laughs> I'm, t- I'm asking you because you're supposed to have the answers, Keegan. I, I wish I knew what the future held for all of us. Um, it's a very scary situation. Yeah. It's very hard to see. It's very interesting. Interesting might be the wrong word, but seeing this play out, seeing a war like this, a you know potential world war level war yeah. play out on social media for the first time is bizarre is is very bizarre but it's also i feel like one of the most powerful tools Absolutely. for getting information Absolutely. out there although there has been a lot of doctored information yes, a lot of videos mm-hmm. and things that were actually from other events that were being said that were from the right. war in ukraine and but all that I, kind of stuff i don't but think that putin maybe factored in the effect that social media was going to have right there's this like worldwide instant um, yeah, well, and that was actually one of the things that I had written in my notes up at the top. Um, yeah, it says one, this was from, um, oh shoot, I didn't write down which article it was from, but this was mostly quoted from an article that I read. So this is how they're describing it. They say one side is an outward looking urban middle class who traveled through Europe and have been westernized through technology and education. And the others are Putin loyalists, many less educated Russians or older people raised in Soviet propaganda. Mm-hmm. So it does kind of show like the different, age differences like how that is changing the way people are perceiving things but also in your um area of living your the amount of wealth you have and things like that all depends on how loyal you are to putin we see that in this country as well i mean there is there is a pretty clear divide along very similar lines um but yeah i've said it before on this show the internet is a double-edged sword social media is a double-edged sword but one thing that it does do is it makes you feel more connected with people on the other side of the world. When you are watching people get on TikTok lives or Instagram live stories in a country that is being actively invaded, you can't talking directly to you about something that's happening to them. It is instant for you. You don't have to wait for the news to report on it and deliver, you know, their view of it. You don't have to wait for a newspaper to travel across the sea to give you the information. I mean, I just think about how during the Vietnam War, it was the first time to have any sort of war televised and Mm -hmm. how much that changed the American opinion on war. Yeah, because that's what we're inundated with everywhere now. You can't hide the ugliness of it. I mean, it's unfortunately, that's what it takes a lot of the time. Like, you know, that's what it took for the civil rights movement. Like, that's what it takes a lot of the time is for people to have to see it. It's it's why anyone cared at all or were at all outraged about what was happening to Syrian refugees. It's yeah. because we were having to look at children going through something that we know that no child should have to go through. Yeah. And it, once you see people like as human beings, like that's you why you cannot docu- ignore yeah, it anymore. Yeah. yeah. That's why documentaries are so effective. Like it's it humanizes you and it makes you aware of things that you didn't even know was going on. I know during, um, you know, the civil rights movement, but also, you know, during the abolition of slavery, there was a lot of times where it wasn't until Northerners heard the stories from yeah. the Southerners yeah. where they realized the gravity of the situation, where, of course, people know what's going on. But I think once you hear it from a firsthand account and there's some humanity behind right. it. And it, again, it shouldn't take that. It like, should I not. Wish, I wish human beings could just be more empathetic in but general. Not, but. It's empathetic, but it's also like 
a lack of wanting to see what's going on and just keeping your head in the sand and moving forward where there are people like you and I who are incredibly empathetic and we hear one thing of someone being sad and all we want to do is fix it. But for most people, like they're trying to get through their own lives and well, you have to are. put yeah. it, but it's like you have to put it in someone's face and make it a connection in some way for certain people to make a change. Right. You know, I yeah. wish everybody could just be naturally empathetic to everyone's cause. Right. I mean, you know, I, and I do, I think people are, it just, it, it's like you said, especially right now, life is so hard and I think making it and, you know, of course, suffering is relative. It's harder for people in Ukraine right now than yeah. it is for us sitting in our houses, but it is difficult. And I think sometimes you just want to put your head down, put one foot in front of the other. Because we have to go to our jobs and do our right. side because hustles we're and be with our families and yes. clean our houses yeah. and be nice and smile and get everything done. Yeah, yeah. But, <sighs> you know, just we'll keep our fingers on the pulse of what's happening over there and Certainly. try our best to give you information when we get it. You know, we're not the best at this kind of news story. but. No. But we care a hell of a lot. So we're we, going to talk we about it. We care a lot. And, you know, also we know that there are a million other sources out there. Yeah. So we hope we plant a seed here and you all can go and and further your education. Further your education. Yeah. So I did want to talk about one last thing. And this is just in time for next week's full length episode. So... Hint, hint. Uh, the House passed the Emmett Till Anti-Lynching Act with overwhelming bipartisan support on Monday. So on February 28th, lawmakers passed the Emmett Till Anti-Lynching Act in a 422 to 3 majority. There were wow. only three people who voted in dissent, which also... Why are there three people that voted in dissent? Yeah, they were um, Republican representatives. Their names, because shame, are Andrew Clyde of Georgia. Boo. Thomas Massey of Kentucky. Boo. And Chip Roy of Texas. Are there Chip Roy, of course. Like, Chip Roy from Texas. Yeah. Um, so Bobby Rush of Illinois two years ago... He put this up, he introduced this, but it was blocked by the Senate in February of 2020 following the murder of Ahmaud Arbery. I don't know why they pumped the brakes on it after that or if they just didn't want to make any Well, because changes. maybe then there would have been, maybe that would have changed the way that trial went and the yeah, the charges the only and things thing that like I could that, think. where that maybe if they were to change it in the middle of it, but at the same time, it sucks. There are black men and women killed every single yeah. day. Mm -hmm. So the fact that they would want to be waiting on just like one particular case seems very convenient to me. Yeah, it's interesting. And I, I don't know. Because you got to do it at some point. Yeah, they put this in this article as though the two are related. So I assume that they are related, but maybe it was coincidence that I one mean, happened at the same time as the other. I believe if I'm remembering my sequence of events correctly, I seem to remember that Ahmaud Arbery, Arbery's um, story reached the media before George Floyd's did. Is that correct? I can't remember. I can't remember either, but I I feel like he was the first one, but I could be wrong. And if that's the case with everything else that followed, maybe then that's why they pumped the brakes. Should they have? No, that's when they should have taken their foot off the brake and put it on the gas and right. made some changes. But instead, they took the easy route yeah. and decided to 
halt it. Yeah, it, it would like. be very coincidental to me that they halted it at that specific time and have now passed it pretty much immediately following the verdict. Now that all of them, mm, mm-hmm. so I, you're I, right. I don't know. I don't know actually. That I'm putting my tinfoil hat on. Yeah. So the That's anti us. the anti lynching legislation is. Again, not a new proposal. It was originally proposed um, previously. There have actually been more than 200 attempts to pass federal anti-lynching law, which is, it's 2022. That I know. is absolutely I, I, wild. That was the first thing that I was going to say. The fact that we passed an anti-lynching law in 2022 is pretty fucking sad. Yeah, it's it's horrifying that How it's about, taken like, this long. How about 1922 when it should have been passed? Yeah. Or 1822? yeah. yeah. Uh, So Rush said in a statement that the anti-lynching legislation will prosecute lynching, quote, when a conspiracy to commit a hate crime results in death or serious bodily injury. A perpetrator can receive a maximum of 30 years in prison under this act in addition to any other federal crimes the perpetrator might commit. So that's a maximum of 30? A maximum of 30, but it's on top of whatever other crimes. Okay, so if they die, if there's murder, you face a murder charge, maybe even a hate crime charge on top of a lynching charge. I understand that. It's just adding to the years mm -hmm. that someone would have to be. I like it. Right, and it's it's bodily injury. So it's not even necessarily murder, right? So uh, he went on to say, today is a day of enormous consequence for our nation. By passing the Emmett Till Anti-Lynching Act, the House has sent a resounding message that our nation is finally reckoning with one of the darkest and most horrific periods in our history and that we are morally and legally committed to changing course. And it's about damn time. I mean, for real. Yeah. For real. Like use, I just like remember when I was younger, not understanding because I had a, 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 like a vision in my head of what lynching looked like and not understanding what that was. The fact that we are now just changing a law for a word to me sounds very old timey. Right. You know, like it well, just I think is, for so many people, people think of lynching as only hanging. Yeah. That's how, when right. I was a kid. Like that's how it's because in my head and maybe that's just part of my like lack of education when I was younger that it just to me when you talk about lynching, it sounds like such an outdated thing. Right. But it evolves and changes into different things. But I think it's that word for me where it just seems so like so old, not a modern word you know what i mean it just seems like right bizarre that it would take this long for that to happen it is something that still happens though you know and i think exactly because it has evolved it's not just one thing yeah and from the language of the legislation i think the difference between uh what will now federally be considered a lynching versus what is federally considered a hate crime right is that there has to be conspiracy okay it's yeah so it's premeditation yeah Got it. So, okay. um, so I would think that you could be charged with lynching and, and a, a hate, hate crime. crime, right? Depending yeah. on, and I think that that's why if, I was going to say it sounds like they're almost doubling down on the hate crime part of it by adding the lynching right, part of it right. to it. And I think that had this law been in place when Ahmad Arbery's murderers were taken in, that they probably would have been charged with this because they did hunt him down yeah you know um, and get another person mm-hmm. involved and then continue to hunt him right. down yeah that it definitely would have been the case in that yeah i wonder if there was something less sinister and just had to do with the law in order like to get yeah. it prepared in time i, I don't, don't know. know to get everyone to pass it in time i'm not sure but that whole thing with 
its relation to the Ahmad Arbery case is really not sitting well with me. It's it's interesting. I'm sure that there's a reason. I just don't know what the reason is. But regardless, uh, they got it passed and they got it passed just under the wire to make it in uh, Black History Month. The, right? the literal last day. Like last day yeah. of Black History Month. Dear Lord, well, we're not done with Black History Month yet because we always give you four full weeks of Black History That's Month. That's right. We don't shortchange you. And we're going to give you four full weeks of Women's History Month. Yeah. We're awesome. We do really great things. Um, I was going to talk a little bit about Biden's State of the Union address. I mean, the biggest thing I wanted to talk about was Marjorie Taylor Greene and uh, fucking Lauren Boebert. They're they're embarrassing themselves. Embarrassing themselves. It's embarrassing. They're children like in an assembly that's heckling the principal. It's disgusting. They should have been removed. It's just like, honestly, I wasn't even mad. I'm just like, this is embarrassing for you. Yeah. I'm embarrassed for you. Like you're old enough to be my mom. This Mm -hmm. is embarrassing. But what's crazy crazy is like when I googled you know Bobert Marjorie Taylor Green State of the Union I see a Fox uh article pop mm-hmm. up bravely defying pretty much where she's like I had to speak up I'm like oh cry me a fucking river yeah, you acted like you were at a fucking like Yankees game or something relax it was absurd it was multiple times but when he was talking about um veterans who have been affected by toxins in war-torn countries that they've been to that are affecting cancer or that are causing cancer, which is something that he's thought was the cause of his son's death for a long time. So he's talking about something that's very meaningful to him as Bobert's like screaming at him and got boos from the Democrats that were in the audience. Like it was just, it was so embarrassing i wasn't even watching at this point i was cooking in the next room but when i heard those boos max and i were like rewind it rewind it what did we miss <laughs> it was crazy and so unprofessional and awful and fuck you bobert and green yeah <laughs> oh yeah so that there's an abridged version of all of that um but that is all we have for you today if you haven't checked out our merch yet, you can go ahead and check out the link in our show notes or the link on our Instagram page at Angry Neighborhood Feminist. If you have any topics that you would like for us to cover on the news episode or on the full episode, you can go ahead and email us at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com or direct message us on Instagram with those as well. We have a Facebook business and group page. You can rate and review us on the business page and chat with your fellow listeners on the group page. Last but certainly not least, the best way that you can support Keegan and I is by leaving a positive five-star review on Apple Podcast. So if you haven't done so already, hop on over to that app and give us some love. All right, that's all we have for you today. With all that being said, we encourage you to rage on. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.